We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 761 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. And we have more spots on the coaching staff of new commanders head coach Dan Quinn having been filled. Four more hires slash rehires came out via various reports on Monday. Among the hires, former Buffalo Bills and New York Giants offensive line coach Bobby Johnson. Now, a lot of people are asking a a lot of questions about this hire, given that Johnson just had a bad two-season run as Giants offensive line coach. Our next segment will examine what the commanders might be thinking with this hire, as well as talk about the other hires slash rehires. And I say hires slash rehires because Ryan Kerrigan is staying and he's getting a new job title. But Dan Quinn's commander's coaching staff reportedly is going to have Bobby Johnson as offensive line coach and former Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson with a prominent offensive role on the staff. So the commanders did not hire Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson as head coach, but let the record show that the commanders are hiring Bobby Johnson and Brian Johnson. No word if former Redskins quarterback Brian Brad Johnson is being hired. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, after we next segment talk about the latest with the commander's coaching staff, I have a special guest for you. The man who invented the air raid offense, former college football head coach Hal Mummy. Uh, so much talk about the air raid offense over the last week or so with the commanders hiring Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator as he, as both a player and a coach, has been a major person in the movement that is the air raid offense. And so as the commanders appear to be poised to have some version of the air raid offense as their offense for the 2024 season. I thought that it would be instructive to hear from the person who invented the offense, which has revolutionized football. That's not 
an overstatement. Hal Mummy is going to tell us what exactly the air raid offense is, how it came to be, misconceptions about the offense, how the perceived top quarterbacks in the 2024 NFL draft fit into the offense, and much more. Hal Mummy, the inventor of the air raid offense, is coming up on the show. Also on the show, I'll talk Wizards, uh, both in terms of what is going on with plans for the new Wizards and Capitals Arena and in terms of the Wizards game on Monday night. We on Monday morning had a uh, not-so-good development for the plan for Wizards and Capitals games to move to a new arena in the Potomac Yard area of Alexandria, Virginia, beginning with the team's 2028-2029 seasons. I'll explain what happened. And we on Monday night had had a 112-104 Wizards loss at the Dallas Mavericks as the man who the Wizards this past Thursday, what was 2024 NBA trade deadline day, traded to the Mavs, Daniel Gafford, had quite a good game <laughs> against his former team. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Joe in Silver Spring, Maryland on the commander's head coaching search, writes Joe, as one of the many fans of both the Orioles and Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders, what a time to be alive. Both teams now have or are getting new ownership that presumably will not act like children. <laughs> and we can legitimately be hopeful that each team may have a real shot at becoming a long-term successful franchise. It's almost too good to be true. Regarding the commanders, I do have a concern about the head coach hiring process that just doesn't sit quite right with me. When Mike Elias took over the Orioles, he was given total control of baseball operations, including hiring his manager of choice, Brandon Hyde. When the Josh Harris group came in, we all hoped that Harris would follow the same path by hiring a general manager and then letting that GM hire the head coach. But that doesn't seem to have happened here. It sounds to me that Adam Peters was just one of several voices in the room and that Dan Quinn was hired by committee. Now, if that is true, that is very concerning to me. Why go hire Adam Peters to run your football operations and then not let him have total control over who his head coach will be? What are your thoughts, Al? Am I right to be concerned or is this not a big deal? As always, thank you for your continued excellence and have a great day. Uh, well, thank you for the email, Joe. You know, I have wondered the exact same thing. And as you may have noticed, I've asked two Commanders insiders who've come on the podcast as guests recently, Ben Standing of The Athletic and J.P. Finley of NBC4, questions along the line of, is slash was the head coaching hire an Adam Peters call or the call of Adam in conjunction with managing partner Josh Harris and the advisory committee? And the answer that we've gotten is that the call is slash was by Adam, Josh, and the advisory committee. The indications are that Adam and Josh were on the same page. So it's not like Adam wanted one thing and then was overridden by Josh. But yes, it does not seem as if the hiring of Dan Quinn as head coach, was entirely an Adam Peters decision. And you may have seen this, NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB, he in a piece that came out now two Mondays ago, February 5th, wrote that the commander's second interviews of head coaching candidates went as follows. The interview would start with Adam Peters, fellow commander's general manager, <laughs> Martin Mayhew, and advisory committee member and former Minnesota Vikings general manager, Rick Spielman. Then there would be a break 
Then there would be an additional portion of the interview that included Josh Harris and advisory committee member and former Golden State Warriors president of basketball operations and general manager Bob Myers. And then Adam Peters would get one-on-one time with the candidates. So it does sound like Adam was driving the search, but he was not the only person involved in the search. That's for sure. And remember, permission for all of the external head coaching candidates who the commanders reportedly interviewed in their head coaching search was reportedly submitted before Adam Peters was hired as commander's general manager. That is an aspect of the head coaching search that I have not heard or seen anyone else talk about. The day on which Josh Harris fired head coach Ron Rivero was January 8th. It was also on that day that we got like a truckload of reports of the commanders having requested permission to interview various head coaching candidates employed by other NFL teams. Those candidates ended up being the only external candidates interviewed by the commanders in their head coaching search, again, if you go by the reporting. So it was before Adam Peters was hired that the commanders' head coaching candidates were identified, and then apparently no other external head coaching candidates were identified after Adam was hired as commander's general manager. Email from Thomas on if something that happened during the now-concluded NFL playoffs should impact the commanders' thinking on what to do with their number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Writes Thomas, The Baltimore Ravens did about as good of a job as a team can do against Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. That AFC Championship game was lost by the Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. So do you think that Jaden Danielstock takes a hit because of the Lamar comp? Uh, Thank you. For the email, Thomas, uh, yes, the eventual Super Bowl champion Chiefs did win at the Ravens in the AFC Championship game and did humble Lamar in a lot of ways. But I don't think that the stock of LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels takes a hit because of the Lamar comp. I get the question. You know, Lamar's postseason track record is not the greatest, but (laughs) the guy did just win Associated Press NFL MVP for the 2023 regular season. Every Commanders fan on the planet would take whoever the team takes in the first round of the 2024 draft, ultimately being an AP NFL MVP. And Lamar now is a two-time AP NFL MVP. He also won the award for the 2019 regular season. There are things to wonder about with Jaden Daniels, including whether he's a little too daring in his running. But if he turns out to be Lamar, (laughs) that is a win. Uh, Well, the Commander's ultra-important 2024 offseason is in full swing, and things are only going to get busier. No podcast or show covers the Commander's like this podcast does, and so if you would like to grow your business or practice, consider advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable and gives you a true bang for your buck. Email us, see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Hey, before we get to our guest, the inventor of the offense for which the commander's new offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury is known, the Air Raid offense, former college football head coach Hal Mummy. We on Monday had a whole lot of news regarding the coaching staff on which Cliff Kingsbury now is a part. New commander's head coach 
Dan Quinn has been uh, putting in some time <laughs> uh, putting his coaching staff together. We on Monday had reports of four more hirings slash rehirings for the commander's coaching staff. They are Bobby Johnson as offensive line coach, Ken Norton Jr. as linebackers coach, Ryan Kerrigan as assistant linebackers coach slash pass rush specialist, and John Pagano as senior defensive assistant. Let's look at each guy. The Bobby Johnson hiring got the most attention. He is coming off a uh, not-so-great run (laughs) as the New York Giants offensive line coach. Bobby Johnson was the Giants offensive line coach from February 2022 to January 2024. His Giants offensive lines were not good. Uh, If you look at ESPN's win rate metrics, which are based on player tracking data, from the NFL's next-gen stats. The Giants for the 2022 regular season were just a 29th in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate and were just a 26th in the NFL in ESPN's team run block win rate. And the Giants for the 2023 regular season were just 24th in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate and were 31st in the NFL. Next to last in the NFL in ESPN's team run block win rate. Uh, Giants fans are thrilled (laughs) at the commanders hiring Bobby Johnson. So you say to yourself, why the heck is Dan Quinn hiring Bobby Johnson as the commander's offensive line coach? Well, two things strike me. First of all, the Giants' offensive line in the 2023 season was ravaged by injury. We actually talked about that on the podcast in the lead-ups to the Commanders' two games against the Giants. So that does help to at least somewhat explain why the Giants' offensive line was so bad. Second of all, Johnson did have a pretty good run as the Buffalo Bills' offensive line coach. He was the Bills' offensive line coach from January 2019 to February 2022. The Bills for the 2019 regular season were number nine in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate. We do not have run block win rate data for that season, but the Bills for the 2020 regular season were number four in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate. We're just 29th in the NFL in ESPN's team run block win rate. And the Bills for the 2021 regular season were number eight in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate, but were just a 23rd in the NFL in ESPN's team run block win rate. So Johnson's Bills offensive lines were great pass blocking lines, uh, did have some problems in run blocking. This hire of commander's offensive line coach is so important, right? Given the likelihood of the commanders taking a quarterback via their number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft. And given the struggles of commanders' offensive lines over the last two seasons, and just given the importance of offensive lines, period, I'm really interested in hearing what Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury have to say about Bobby Johnson. Uh, Ken Norton Jr. as linebackers coach. So Ken Norton Jr. is a Dan Quinn guy. Norton was the Seattle Seahawks linebackers coach from January 2010 to February 2015. Dan Quinn was the Seahawks assistant head coach and defensive line coach for the 2009 and 2010 seasons and was the Seahawks defensive coordinator from January 2013 to February 2015. So Quinn and Norton know each other well. Uh, Norton was the Oakland Raiders defensive coordinator February 2015 to November 2017 when he was replaced on an interim basis by 
John Pagano. Uh, and Norton was the Seahawks defensive coordinator from January 2018 to January 2022. And by the way, Norton's time as Raiders defensive coordinator came during former Washington defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio's time as Raiders head coach. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan staying with the Commanders. I'm happy to see this. I like Ryan Kerrigan as a coach on our team. The Commanders on September 5th, 2022 announced the hiring of Kerrigan as assistant defensive line coach. So he spent the last two seasons as the team's assistant defensive line coach. Interesting though that his title is going to be assistant linebackers coach slash pass rush specialist. Uh, Kerrigan as a player was never a true linebacker. Yes, he was labeled as an outside linebacker in the days of the 3-4 base defense uh, for our football team, but uh, that position of outside linebacker really is a position of edge defender. That's not a true linebacker position. Uh, Kerrigan, of course, the franchise's all-time leader in regular season sacks, 95 and a half. And then John Pagano as senior defensive assistant. Pagano was the San Diego Chargers defensive coordinator January 2012 to January 2017. The man who Pagano replaced as Chargers defensive coordinator in January 2012 was... Greg Minuski, who was the Redskins defensive coordinator for the 2017 through 2019 seasons, and Pagano for the 2017 season was with the Raiders, initially serving as assistant head coach slash defense, and then becoming interim defensive coordinator, replacing Ken Norton Jr. Uh, Pagano's older brother is former Indianapolis Colts head coach Chuck Pagano. Uh, One thing that stands out to me about Dan Quinn's coaching staff with the Commanders is how many guys are being hired at levels below what those guys have been. That would suggest some serious brain power. We have a former NFL head coach in Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator. We have former NFL coordinators in Brian Johnson, Ken Norton Jr., and John Pagano at levels beneath the coordinator level. Uh, I like that. You know, there is no Brent Wieselmeyer <laughs> factor, okay? You remember Brent Wieselmeyer, don't you? Uh, the Redskins in January 2020 hired Brent Wieselmeyer as assistant defensive backs coach and nickel coach, and then this past February 28th announced having promoted Wieselmeyer to defensive backs coach. This off the departure of defensive backs coach Chris Harris to the Tennessee Titans to become their defensive pass game coordinator and cornerbacks coach. Harris had been Washington's defensive backs coach since January 2020. He was very well regarded. Uh, Well, Brent Wieselmeyer, prior to being hired by the Skins in January 2020, was coaching high school football. He was the head coach of Santa Margarita Catholic High School in California. In fact, his only NFL experience prior to being hired by the Skins was three seasons on the Raiders coaching staff during Jack Del Rio's three seasons as Raiders head coach, 2015 through 2017. Brent Wieselmeyer had no business being the commander's defensive backs coach for this past season and yet he was. Uh, a lot to be determined with Dan Quinn's commander's coaching staff. We in no way should be like planting a flag of victory, okay? We got to see how this all comes together. But there are guys with legitimate resumes being hired. And the hope, of course, is that all of these guys mesh together well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Well, since we on Sunday night, February 4th, had the reports of the commanders hiring at Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator, a hiring that became official the following morning, Monday, February 5th, you likely have heard a lot about the air raid offense. Cliff Kingsbury is a big time air raid offense guy. Kingsbury was a quarterback for Texas Tech for the 1999 through 2002 seasons. He, over his final three collegiate seasons, played for head coach Mike Leach, who was a major pioneer of the air raid offense. And Kingsbury has utilized the air raid offense throughout his coaching career, including during his time as Texas Tech head coach from December 2012 to November 2018. But what exactly is the air raid offense? What might we be looking at with Kingsbury's commander's offense for the 2024 season? And what might that mean for what the commanders do at quarterback this offseason? Well, I am honored to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast right now the man who invented the air raid offense, Hal Mummy. He was a college football head coach for decades, most notably at Kentucky from December 1996 to February 2001. And how Mummy's offense revolutionized football. Uh, when we talk about the pass-heavy nature of today's NFL, so much of that comes from the concepts put forth by Hal Mummy. If you are a football coach and you want to become proficient in the Air Raid, check out airraidcertified.com and you can follow Hal on X at Hal Mummy. And Mummy, as many of you know, is spelled M-U-M-M-E. Coach, how are you? 
Oh, I'm good, Al. Thanks for having me. And I'm really proud that uh, Cliff uh, got that job up there. I think he'll do a wonderful job for the commanders. The uh, He was a product of my late great friend, Mike Leach, who I have to give him credit for this, too, because he, he and I collaborated for 10 years, starting at Iowa Wesleyan and finishing at Kentucky and uh, put put the offense together. Mike was, was really responsible for most of most of the way the offensive line plays and and did that for a good while, uh, probably about half of those years. So anyway, he uh, but Cliff was his first quarterback at Texas Tech, and uh, Cliff's dad was a great high school coach in Texas at New Braunfels. And when we got at Kentucky the first year, after we upset Alabama the first season, people started coming to find out what we were doing. And his dad was one of the first ones uh, from Texas to come up. So Cliff kind of got an indoctrination to it his senior year in high school. And then, of course, a couple of, year, a couple of years later, Mike got the job at Texas Tech. And, and uh, Mike coached him his last, uh, last three years in college. Yes, he did. And Cliff Kingsbury and Mike Leach, of course, did a lot of great things together. Kingsbury, as a Texas Tech quarterback, set 39 school records, 16 Big 12 records, and 17 NCAA records. Pretty amazing. Uh, what is a proper definition or description of the air raid offense? Our, our given definition of it was that we were going to throw the ball as many times as possible to uh, to people who can score, <laughs> and we were gonna we were gonna use the whole field. Uh, in other words, we were gonna we had a progression reads uh, on the on the deeper drops. We're always looking deep first, and then throw the ball deep if you can. But if you can't, find somebody short, throw it up. And so it was. Uh, that was. It, that was the main uh, focus of the offense. We we tried to be as simple as possible, and and we we played fast. How did the air raid offense come to be? It was a it was a progression. Um, I started in 1986 at a place called Coppers Cove High School in Texas, and we copied Lavelle Edwards BYU offense uh we threw in a few things from bill walsh and and mouse davis and june jones uh put together a package but what people know is the air raid started on uh august 31st 1991 at at iowa wesleyan college and mike and i had had gotten together at Iowa Wesleyan two years prior and, and we had started doing the offense that I just described but we weren't playing fast we were doing it out of a huddle like everybody else and then in 1991 we at Wesleyan we had won so many games so fast that nobody would play us anymore and we were an independent school and and uh, we had to find a schedule so we ended up 
the third year there, we ended up filling our schedule up with all these schools that were 10 times bigger than us and, and a couple of divisions above us in the, in the but we were a NAI school and we ended up playing all these, what are now D2 and FCS schools. And we, we had to have a, an edge. And so Mike and I went on the road and, uh, tried to find, look for some ideas. And we ended up in Florida in, uh, Orlando and we went to see the great Dave Matthews, who at the time was coaching a, one of those spring league teams in Orlando, but he, he went on to win like six gray cups in Canada and uh, was a great CFL coach. But anyway, we went to practice that day and, and watched and Dave was very gracious and let us sit in on all the meetings and watch what they were doing. And as we were going to practice, I asked him, I said, what, what's your best drill? And I thought he was going to give me like a quarterback drill or something like that. He said, watch bandit drill at the end of practice. That's when we practice our two-minute offense. And I had seen two-minute offenses before practiced at NFL camps and stuff like that. But I'd never seen one so efficient and so well organized. And when we were watching it, I looked at Mike and I said, this is what we're going to do. And, and he looked at me and he goes, we're going to do it all the time, aren't we? And I go, yeah, we are. <laughs> it's not going to be the two-minute offense. It's going to be the 60-minute offense. That's so good. And that's what we did. So we put it in. So we debuted it against uh, the first game of the season against what is now Truman State, who was uh, – ranked number nine or ten in the nation they were a division above us they were we were in ai they were division two they came to mount pleasant iowa we uh we fell behind 24 to 7 at halftime and as i was walking in the locker room i was kind of envisioning getting beat 48 to 14 or something and uh I looked at my players and, and they were all, they acted like they were ahead 24 to seven. My quarterback, Dustin Dewall came up to me and said, you don't have to say anything to them. We're going to win their game. We're going to win this game. And I just, I just kept quiet and watched and they were all, they, what they knew was that we had worn out, even though we were behind, we'd made some mistakes in the first half. And, uh, they, they, they knew we had worn out Northeast and we went out in the second half and, and took the lead really pretty rapidly. We ended up winning the game, uh, 35 to 31. Wow. And, uh, we had run about 80, 85 plays and, and, uh, our quarterback threw for 400 and some yards and four touchdowns. And, and then it was, uh, off to the races. We we went through that schedule. We only lost one time the whole year. We ended up making the NAI national playoffs and uh, finished. Uh, well, we lost in the first game of the playoffs in an ice bowl. We played in 20, 20 degree blow weather, so we didn't fare too well after we made the playoffs. But we were, we ended up ten and two that year. And I ended up getting the job at Valdosta State, and we did the same thing there for about five years, and then we went to Kentucky. So that that's that's where it started, though. That's where everybody we we played fast. We played 
as fast as we possibly could, and we threw the ball as many times as we could. There, during this time period of the air raid offense coming to be in the 1980s and 1990s was the run-and-shoot offense, perhaps made most famous by the Houston Oilers. Are there similarities between the air raid and the run-and-shoot? There are, and, and uh, we, we actually stole some stuff from the run-and-shoot. Uh, but it's also, it, we, you know, we believe in having tight ends, and we believe in having two backs, and so there's a lot of differences too. People hear air raid offense and think and say all kinds of things. Are there common misconceptions about the air raid offense? Oh yeah, there there really is. Um, first of all, people a lot of people don't know that we play with two backs and a tight end, and and uh, a lot of people think we can't run the ball at Valdosta State. We we. We repeated the process with two different groups of kids, and we won, played for the national championship both times. Uh, two different quarterbacks, you know, different receivers, different backs. But the one thing that remained common in that in that five year process there was that we uh, we had a back that led the league in rushing. Uh, we had receivers that were ranked in the top three or four receivers in the league. Um, I ran it in the spring league in, in 2021, which is the, you know, the forerunner of what is now the UFL. And we led the league in everything, rushing, passing, scoring, everything, and, and won the championship. And, uh, so they, people, you know, they hear the airway and, and they think all we do is throw the ball, but, but that's not true. And, uh, what we do is we just don't talk about it very much. <laughs> we like to run the ball, but we just don't want to do it all the time. Much more with How Mummy in Moments, but if you enjoy this podcast, check out BGO Blind Pig, the official podcast of BGObsession.com. BGO Blind Pig is a roundtable discussion of all things Washington Commanders football. Lots of good and passionate Commanders conversation from Commanders fans who know the team well. You can find the BGO Blind Pig podcast on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or on any major podcast provider. Make BGObsession.com the home for your burgundy and gold obsession. And make the BGO Blind Pig podcast one of your weekly DC Football Listens. We're talking with former college football head coach Hal Mummy, the person who invented the air raid offense, which is an offense that has been made famous in large part by the playing and coaching of the commander's new offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. And it would seem that the commanders in the 2024 season will be running some version of the air raid. Uh, Kingsbury was the Arizona Cardinals head coach from January 2019 to January 2023. He, as Cardinals head coach, had a regular season record of just a 28-37-1 and and ultimately had problems with quarterback Kyler Murray. But Kingsbury did get some really good production out of Murray over his first three NFL seasons, 2019 through 2021. What did you think of Kingsbury's tenure as Cardinals head coach as it relates to the air raid offense? I think two things happened at the Cardinals, I think, first of all, Cliff didn't get to hire the staff he wanted to hire. And and that makes a big difference in our offense. You can't go in that staff room and say, we're going to be an air raid offense and have a bunch of guys that want to change it. And and then the second thing was, I, I, I think he, 
he didn't have any, he didn't have as much. He got Kyler Murray, but I don't think he got anybody else in terms of personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I, and I have not discussed this with Cliff, so don't read too much into that. That's my observation of watching, uh, watching what went on over the three years there or four years, whatever it was. And, uh, if you're going to be an air raid team, you have to be an air raid team. There, there's no in between. And the, uh, well, I'll go back to my spring league example because that's pro football. But when I went to the spring league, I got to pick every player. And I did. And I picked on offense, I picked air raid guys. There's so many, there's so many air raid guys out there now because so many schools do it yeah. know, from high school through college. And it was pretty easy to find guys that when we went to our little two week training camp, I, I was already miles ahead of everybody else in the league because my guys came in and I said, we're running air raid. Here's, we're going to run shallows. We're going to run mesh. We're going to run black cross. We're going to run, we're going to run draw trap. Uh, they, hell, they all knew what to do. They've been doing it since high school. When I did the same thing in the XFL, uh, the original, before the virus on the, the Vince McMahon XFL, I didn't have control. And we, we were, we were mediocre at best. Um, I got to pick one quarterback, but other than that, I, I didn't get much control over anything else. And, and uh, you know, we had too many ideas floating around. Yeah. So I, I think if he's going to do it, you just have to let him do it. And, and uh, whoever the personnel people are, they need to, they need to realize that they don't understand what he's doing. He does, so you, they need to listen to him. Are there limitations to or alterations that must be made to the air raid offense at the NFL level as compared to at the collegiate level? Well, I think that's true of every offense in the NFL. Uh, you, your limit is that you've got, what, a uh, 53-man roster or whatever it is. Yeah. So personnel is always always going to be a, an issue and you have to have guys that can play multiple positions uh, but if you watch the NFL in, in today's game you see it everywhere you know I remember in uh, about 2006 or 7 I was watching a Monday night game and I called up Mike Leach and I said are you watching this game he goes yeah it was the Patriots and the Dolphins and uh, I was seeing a whole bunch of our, our plays on that we had put together being run by the Patriots, and they were doing a really good job with it. <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady and Wes Welker. Yeah. And uh, I said, are you watching this? And he goes, yeah, I am. I said, what do you think? He goes, I'm pretty sure Wes Welker's the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, they've been calling down here for film ever since they traded for him. And, uh, I said, yeah, yeah. You you look at the Dolphins now, and Wes Welker's the receiver coach. So I, there's a whole bunch of the concepts running around the league, and, and the teams that are doing it the best are the ones that win. Uh, it, it look at t- today's game. I mean, you got the Chiefs playing the 49ers. I mean, it's the, I think the younger head coaches in the league have, a, have adapted to what what's 
what we did. I, I'm not saying they've copied it wholesale or anything, but I think they've adapted to what we did. And uh, it's there's they're having a lot of success with with uh, the concepts. For sure. I mean, the way that football is officiated lends to passing. As analytics become more accepted and used, there is widespread understanding that passing is more efficient than running is. I'm sure that you're aware of this, but the late great Mike Leach, during his time as Washington State head coach, had a terrific explanation of how offensive balance isn't 50% run, 50% pass. No, offensive balance is getting the ball in the hands of a variety of playmakers, and that that should be the focus of an offense. Uh, Here was Coach Leach in the fall of 2018. I want all the positions to touch it. Nothing ba- There's nothing balanced about 50% run, 50% pass, because that's 50% stupid. Now, uh, what what uh, what is balanced is when you have five skill positions, if all five of them are contributing to the offensive effort in a somewhat equal fashion, then that's balanced. But this notion that if you hand it to one guy 50% of the time and then you throw it to a combination of two guys, the other 50% that you're really balanced and you proudly pat yourself on the back uh, uh, and tell yourself that. And people have been doing that for decades. Well, then you're delusional. So, um, uh, yeah, that's how I look at it. (laughs) Yeah, classic stuff right there. I thought that that was such a smart and impactful way of explaining how guys like you and Mike Leach have viewed offense. Yeah, well, that that was always our thing. We were going to try to spread the ball around to five different guys, and and that we wanted people who could make plays at those five positions, and that's why our tight end position became such a threat. And you see that all the time uh, now. I mean, look at the two teams today. They had George Kittle and uh, Travis Kel- uh, Kelsey. They're they're just great weapons, and we knew that in. 1991 i mean we were we've been doing that forever and and uh that's what mike meant the uh you know the 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 backs have to be able to do all three things and we had a great back at our first three years at valdosta state named dominic cross who ended up getting a super bowl ring with the cowboys and a few years ago we both got put in the hall of fame there at the same time and in his speech, Dominic said, if I had not played in the air raid, I wouldn't have made the Cowboys. He said, because when I went to the Cowboys, they had Emmett Smith. You know, it, was like, it wasn't like he was going to beat out the starter, right? <laughs> he said, but when I went there, they kept me around because I was the guy who could catch the ball out of the backfield. I was the guy who could pass pro. Wow. And, and that was a, a big lesson, I think. Uh you know, as far as running the ball, when I went to Kentucky, we had two great backs, Derek Homer and Anthony White. So we used a lot of two-back sets when I was there because we didn't want to take them off the field very much. After the first year, they had, they had combined for 1,500 yards rushing. And they came and sat in my office, both of them at the same time. They look at me and they go, Coach, we, we rushed for 1,500 yards. And I go, yeah, that's a pretty good year, guys. You guys split that up pretty good. Both of you had your share. and what can I do for you? And I said, well, can we run the ball more? And I looked right at him and I said, no, but you can run it further. (laughs) (laughs) And they kind of got up scratching their heads from walking out of my office. But, but, uh, yeah, we, we just do what we do. We don't have a lot of plays. We just, 
we we out execute people because we rep the same plays over and over again. We get more reps. We don't have a big call sheet. Uh, you know, there, there's not 150 plays on our call sheet, which I, I've always thought was just an NFL NFL playbooks. I've always thought were an aberration. The Commanders have the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. It seemed very likely to use that pick to take a quarterback, either at number two in taking North Carolina's Drake May or LSU's Jaden Daniels, or in trading up to number one to take USC's Caleb Williams, with whom Cliff Kingsbury worked this past season, with Kingsbury serving as USC's senior offensive analyst. When you look at Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, does one strike you as a particularly good fit for the air raid offense? Well, I've seen Caleb a lot because obviously I follow Lincoln and Cliff, everybody. I've always followed OU and then now USC. And I I think Caleb's a a great player. Uh, I know he didn't have the year he wanted to have this year, but you know, it's it's never always on the quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen, but but uh, uh, I think he's a great player. If they could get him, I think they should get him. Plus, he's kind of a hometown kid for you guys too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I love the other two also. I, I think they're they're great players. So I I don't think they can go wrong with any of those guys. You know, and I think Cliff will coach them up. Uh, you know, obviously he's already worked with Caleb, so there's there's maybe an advantage there. But but uh, you know, my friend Phil Longo put in the air raid at, at North Carolina several years ago, and Coach Drake up, and he's a great player. And and uh, Daniels, I don't know as much about, but what I've, what I've seen him, I boy, he's really appears to be a great player. Final question. The air raid, or at least features of it, are everywhere in both the NFL and college football now. Can this be pushed even further? (laughs) Like, in 10 years, are we going to see NFL and college offenses being even more air raid-like? Yeah, I think it will be. Um, I think you look at the top teams in the playoffs, most of them are doing something similar to this stuff. And, um, I'll tell you what, once you start doing it, it's what the fans love. I, I remember when we started doing it at Coppers Cove High School in 1986. And my defensive coordinator came to me one day about halfway through the first season. And he'd been down at the coffee shop at the Cactus Motel and Restaurant in Coppers Cove. And and he came in and he goes, you know why everybody loves our loves our team and loves watching us? Because we'd started getting really, we had started selling out the stadium, and they had never done that before. And uh, I go, no, why? What do you think? And he goes, it's because they can see the ball. Yeah. He said, in the past, the ball was just hidden; they couldn't see it. It was just one ball. He said, but they can see the ball in the air, and they love it, and and they're and they're going to demand it. Well, we are excited about and intrigued by Cliff Kingsbury as Commander's Offensive Coordinator, former college football head coach, Hal Mummy, the person who invented Kingsbury's offense, the Air Raid offense, a revolutionary offense. Uh, Coach, thank you and all the best. I appreciate it, Al. Thanks for having me and and, uh, good luck to the Commanders.
All right, Hal Mummy, a very influential person regarding the state of offense in the NFL and college football. He was and is an innovator, uh, just as Catering by Uptown is an innovator in providing great catering service. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service, and it now is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Newly engaged couples can get 5% off any Catering by Uptown Wedding Package. Just call 301-572-7744. Set up your own personal tour of one of Catering by Uptown's premier waterfront venues and mention that Al Galdi sent you to get the discount. If you're planning a wedding, you want great service, but also a great price. Catering by Uptown provides both. Call 301-572-7744 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Catering by Uptown also can help you if you're planning a party or a corporate event. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly from putting together and executing a menu to picking linens to selecting an excellent florist. Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. And don't forget about the great offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Newly engaged couples can get 5% off any Catering by Uptown wedding package. Just call 301-572-7744. Set up your own personal tour of one of Catering by Uptown's premier waterfront venues and mention that Al Galdi sent you to get the discount. That's 301-572-7744. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, please consider following the podcast if you're not already doing that. Following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of the podcast. Uh, let's talk Wizards, but before we get into their game on Monday night, uh, we on Monday did have some Wizards and Capitals Arena news. Uh, the plan for Wizards and Capitals home games to move to a new arena in the Potomac Yard area of Alexandria, Virginia, beginning with the team's 2028-2029 seasons, hit a snag on Monday morning. Uh, Virginia's Senate Finance and Appropriations Committee, in a meeting on Monday morning, didn't even have on the docket for the meeting a piece of legislation to create a sports authority that would issue more than a billion dollars in bonds to build this uh, sports and entertainment district for the Wizards and Caps. Uh, Tuesday is the deadline by which the bill needs to be heard and advanced to the full Virginia Senate if the bill has a true future. But Virginia Senator Luis Lucas, the committee chairwoman, explained that the Finance Committee had concerns about using taxpayer money for the arena and had concerns about Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin's, quote, refusal to negotiate End quote. Uh, asked if the deal was, quote, dead, end quote, Lucas responded bluntly, quote, as far as I'm concerned, it is, end quote. 
And what happened on Monday morning followed a public back and forth between Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser and Monumental Sports and Entertainment on Sunday. A part of the back and forth was Bowser in a post on X on Sunday morning promoting an op-ed that she wrote for the Washington Post, seemingly threatening legal action. Quote, we intend to keep our end of the bargain and enforce the leases with Monumental that require the Wizards and Capitals to play at the arena through 2047 and the Mystics to play in Congress Heights through 2037. End quote. So things have gotten heated between D.C. and Monumental. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Virginia politics, but what seems to be the case is that some, uh, shall we say, massaging of this uh, legislation for this sports and entertainment district for the Wizards and Camps in the Potomac Yard area of Alexandria needs to take place. There clearly are some politics being played. Glenn Youngkin is a Republican. Luis Lucas is a Democrat. It is Democrats in the Virginia Senate who have major questions about what's going on here with the building of this sports and entertainment district. So I would imagine that there needs to be some give and take, perhaps including some give for Monumental, a revised bill is arrived at, and then legislation can be passed. I don't buy for a second that Wizards and Caps home games moving to Alexandria is dead. Now, this is not a done deal, okay? I mean, it is important to recognize that, but uh, I would view this more as like a speed bump, a roadblock, uh, but I do not buy uh, that the deal is dead. As for the Wizards game on Monday night, they lost at the Dallas Mavericks 112-104, another competitive loss uh, for our tanking Wizards under interim head coach Brian Keefe, but another loss. Uh, They lost their seventh consecutive game. The Wizards for this NBA regular season now are 9-44. That is the second worst record in the NBA. Uh, And this game could have been a win. Uh, The Wizards blew an 11-point fourth quarter lead. They lost the fourth quarter 34-16. Each team had like the same performance. Each team was bad on threes. Each team was bad on free throws. Each team was good on twos. Each team had exactly 12 offensive rebounds. Each team committed exactly 16 turnovers. Uh, The Wizards, though, got ripped by one of the best players in the NBA, Luka Doncic. Uh, He, in 37 minutes, 18 seconds as a starter, had a triple-double, 26 points, 15 assists, 11 rebounds, also had two blocks and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 19. He did commit five turnovers and did go just to 2-7 on threes. He went 6-9 on twos and 8-11 on free throws. The Wizards also got ripped by former Wizard Daniel Gafford. Uh, As we saw, both Gafford and Rashawn Holmes uh, be factors off the trade between the Wizards and Mavericks uh, just a few days ago, 2024 NBA trade deadline day. This past Thursday, the Wizards traded Gafford to the Mavericks for a 2024 first-round pick and Holmes. Uh, The Wizards on Monday night got worked by Gafford. 24 minutes, 7 seconds as a starter, 16 points, 17 rebounds, including 7 offensive boards, 5 blocks, 2 steals, and 2 assists versus two turnovers. He went 7-13 from the field, all twos and 2-3 two on free throws. Uh, Rashawn Holmes made his Wizards debut 12 minutes, 33 seconds off the bench. He went 5-7 from the field, all twos. He finished with 10 points, two rebounds, and a block. A big-time negative for the Wizards was Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma going a combined 2-13 of 13 on threes. As neither guy had a good game, Poole in 26 minutes, 31 seconds as a starter went just 1-2 
of 12 from the field, just 1 of 6 on threes and 0 of 6 on twos. Man, is Poole having a bad season. He scored just three points. So he did have six rebounds, three steals, three assists versus one turnover and a team best tying plus minus rating of plus four. Kyle Kuzma, he in 32 minutes, five seconds as a starter, went just 1 of 7 on threes, had no assists versus four turnovers and had a game worst tying plus minus rating of minus 14. He did go 8 of 12 on twos and 4 of 5 on free throws and did finish with 23 points and 8 rebounds. Uh, Denny Avdia, 33 minutes, 57 seconds as a starter. He went 1 of 3 on threes and 10 of 14 on twos. He finished with 25 points and 7 rebounds. Also had 3 assists. Did commit 5 turnovers. Did go just to 2 of 6 on free throws. Marvin Bagley, the third, uh, 28 minutes, 4 seconds as a starter. 6 of 10 from the field, all twos. He finished with 12 points, 13 rebounds, including five offensive boards and two assists versus one turnover. And speaking of assists versus turnovers, Tyus Jones, 33 minutes, one second as a starter, 16 assists versus just two turnovers as he continues to have this spectacular assist to turnover ratio. Jones remains number one among all qualified NBA players in assist to turnover ratio for this regular season. That ratio now is at 7.2. He has three 353 assists versus just 49 turnovers. Uh, Jones on Monday night went 0 of 1 on three, 6 of 12 on twos, and 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 14 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 steals. Did have a game worst time plus minus rating of minus 14. Next up for the Wizards at the New Orleans Pelicans. Wednesday night at 8 in the Wizards' final game before the NBA All-Star break. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 762. We'll include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also on Wednesday show, I'll talk Capitals and college basketball. The Caps are home to the Colorado Avalanche Tuesday night at 7. Georgetown is at number 17, Creighton, Tuesday night at 8.30. Number 21, Virginia, is home to Pitt Tuesday night at 7. As, yes, the Cavaliers are back to being ranked. They are number 21 in the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Monday afternoon. And Virginia Tech is home to Florida State. Tuesday night at 9. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. I want all the positions to touch it. Nothing ba- There's nothing balanced about 50% run, 50% pass, because that's 50% stupid. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.